Greetings and welcome to a Brave Space podcast with Dr. Meeks. I'm your host, Chelsea Glasgow, and today's episode is especially exciting because the Absalom Jones Episcopal Center for Racial Healing recently celebrated three years of leading, teaching, inspiring, and provoking people within and beyond the Episcopal Church to create Brave Space and tell the truth. That is something to celebrate. Dr. Meeks, how do you feel about um, celebrating three years? Well, I'm beside myself to tell you the truth, Chelsea. I, you know, when we started, it was like, okay, let's see, hope this can work. And then we made it through the first year and then the second year and now three years. And it feels like we've made it to being a toddler so we're going to make it, you know, so it's really, it's very exciting. And we've had so much wonderful support, both uh, financially and people's prayers and people just uh, well-wishers and everything. So it's it's really gratifying to be at this point. It sure is. And I want to take this moment to say thank you to everyone who has made this dream possible. Um, Thank you to everyone who has donated, to have supported the center in any way. And at this time, I think it is also really important that I say thank you, Dr. Meeks. Um, The Bible says to give honor where it is due. So it is safe to say that you have outdone yourself and I give you honor um, for being the executive director of the center and leading us um, into all things racial reconciliation and healing. Well, thank you so much, Chelsea. And the audience needs to know that you have been here with me through this whole journey because (laughs) you came to work as a a graduate student in Divinity School right soon after we opened. And you have been walking on this journey with me and you've been a wonderful uh, support and pilgrim too in this work. And and so it's just a delight for us to get here together. But thank sure you so much. Is. My pleasure. It's my pleasure, Dr. Meeks. Um, for those of you who may not know, the center has come a very, very long way. It began as a commission for dismantling racism that served a local church and then evolved into the Absalom Jones Center for Racial Healing when it outgrew its britches um, and currently serves the Episcopal Church and beyond. Now, there has been a lot of groundwork done in just three years. In just three years. How has it been made possible to cover all of this ground? Well, we have been faithful, and God is always faithful when when we turn our attention and intention toward doing what we feel called to do. And so I'm delighted about that part. But this particular year, I have been amazed at how we have been able to rise to the occasion of facing this whole pandemic era Mm -hmm. and moving into uh, having our programs be on a virtual platform has just um, helped our work to grow in ways that we never could have imagined. And And it's a kind of bittersweetness because it's so sad that So many people have lost their lives and so many people are sick, but our work has just been mushrooming and we've doubled our database. Mm. We've had more donations this year than we've ever had, just uh, many of them unsolicited. 
we've learned how to offer our programs, uh, to tailor our programs for a virtual platform. And it's just been amazing. Our, our reach now is much further than it was in March when we had to close our doors because of the virus. Absolutely. I mean, you know, for one of the um, webinars, we have like 500 people who are registered, right? And when that happens, um, you think about, well, could the physical center hold a capacity of 500 people? Probably not, but a webinar can. And so I think that is one of the advantages of using technology as a medium to relate this message and teach and inspire. And and I think the, the one of the very important um lessons to be learned in this is that, you know, when you get to a bend in the road, you can either sit and be immobilized or you can make the turn. And we made the turn as a center and put our dismantling racism classes. We reconfigured them so that we were able to offer them online, started to offer programs as webinars and uh, doing a lot of, I'm doing a lot of consulting uh, through using Zoom and we, as we were making the turn, we were learning a lot about uh, how to be more flexible, and and the responses have been just phenomenal. And I was so amazed when I looked at some of the registrations and saw that we had people registered for our, one of our webinars from the United Kingdom and from Latin America and from West Africa. And there would be no way for us Mm -hmm. to have that kind of diverse audience in our building. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Again, it's just, you know, some people see obstacles and other people see open doors. And the Center for Racial Healing has definitely walked through um, some open doors, even despite COVID-19. So we just bless God for that. Uh, Dr. Meeks, you know, I have a question. We were talking um, some time ago. and. I just remember you recalling some of the work that you've done over the years. And I know people see the success of the center, but of course, you know, an organization is nothing without a leader or the leadership, a part of it. And so how would you say that your work, um, your, your personal work and commitment to racial healing and eradicating racism, how has that helped the center grow? Well, so Chelsea, I'd like the audience to know that I've been doing this work for the last 50 years. So since I was younger than you, I started doing this work in college and and actually started before that growing up in rural Arkansas in a segregated society. The processes started working on me as I resisted racism and segregation and all of the the messages that were being sent through to me about not being a worthy person. I resisted all of that and left Arkansas when I was 18 to go to college in California, vowing to never set foot in the South again, and then move into Georgia six years later. So that's really, that's always funny to me because God always has uh, ideas in, for you that you don't know about. And when you say, I'm never going to do something, it's a joke to God, you know, because you end up doing that very thing if you don't watch it. But I've been in the South now, uh, back in the South, I should say, for for close to 50 years. And I've been doing this work uh, from since college and while I was in college as well. And, and I think that one of the major things that has happened to me is that I have really come to grips with 
the necessity to do my personal work as well as to do this collective work and the outer work in the world around race. And, and I truly find myself able to listen to people that are racist, to people that don't agree with me, to people that are difficult to listen to. It's not like I, I'm just jumping up and down wanting them to come to my office, but when they show up in my office or show up in my workshops, I'm able to listen to them. And, you know, I think that that is a major piece of growth that has to happen if you're going to lead this kind of work and if you're going to help facilitate it in any kind of way that might make a a possibility for folks to be transformed. Because as you know, it's really difficult sitting in rooms and listening to people be racist when you're a person of color and or to be unfeeling or not capable of empathy or not expressing empathy, I should say. And so, but I've learned because I've done a lot of my own uh, excavating of my own issues, I I can kind of separate myself from some of that. And I think that's been a, a major, a major thing. The other thing that I think is so essential is understanding this work as spiritual formation, that you cannot deal with racism without dealing with the heart and the head. And so it is about development and of the, the whole person and becoming a person who's open to uh, people who are different from you and who's not unconscious is about your own willingness to grow and change. And so holding up that message has, has really caught the attention of so many people and led us to work with their um, hundred and. 101 or two dioceses in the Episcopal Church, and we have worked with 66 of those dioceses already because of this message, because it has really caught on and it has really struck a chord with people. They didn't know that that was what they were looking for, that they were looking for a message about spiritual formation and not just some quick fix or let's go pass this law or let's go join this protest. All those things need to happen. But unless there's some real transformation happening at a really deep level, it's never going to be sustainable. Wow. That was truly profound. I mean, um, just talking about racial healing, this work as spiritual formation work because like you said it has to do with the heart and when we start to deal with our hearts first we're able to do amazing things right like you know but it's the heart first that will direct us because everything flows from our heart um and so with that being said you know with you doing that personal work it seems like that has opened the door for you to be able to connect personally during these racial um healing trainings dismantling racism trainings um and other events and webinars what do you think and perhaps this year what has been the most um profound transformations that you witnessed in clergy and people that you work with Well, before I answer that, let me just say one quick thing. I do believe that we've got to change people's hearts. But I also know that there are laws that, you know, like giving people the right to sit on the bus or to to vote and all those things. So those things need to be 
all the things that we can change quickly, like that external, out in the community, the collective, we have always got to be advocating for that kind of change to happen today, because you can change this law so that I can um, legally be treated right. But in order for me to be really safe in the world and to really have uh, that legal right stand and not have somebody constantly trying to take it away, people do have to get their hearts changed. So I don't want to sound like I'm thinking that it's just about the heart. It's about the heart and the head. It's about the inner and the outer. It's about the personal and the collective. And when we get into trouble is that we always want to pick one and and kind of camp out there. So I just want the audience to be, I know you know this already, but I want the audience to be really clear that I'm not advocating for some gradual heart-changing process that's going to take another 400 years for us to get to liberation for Black and brown people in this country, because that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying in order for us to be who God wants us to be, our hearts have to be changed as well as our heads. And as far as the transformation, I think that the offering of the Dismantling Racism uh, training classes online I'm hearing these reports from the facilitators of those classes about how how much depth, how much more depth is being expressed in those classes from by them being online than they used to have when they were in the room with people. My facilitators for those classes feel like that people feel a little safer in their own homes and are able to go deeper in talking about their own journey with race. And they have had many folks kind of break through some of the veneer that they had, the personas that they were wearing, and, and be uh, confessional and really open to uh, some, some real peeling away of layers of, of um, thinking that needed to, to go away. And so I've been so impressed by that, Chelsea, because I was so uh, worried that if we tried to do the Dismantling Racism classes online, that they would lose a lot by not having people in the room with each other, that it would be harder for people to connect and and have some real authentic uh, sharing and relating to each other. But my facilitators have told me that that's, that's not been the case, that they have experienced just the opposite. So that has been such um, a wonderful thing for me to hear because I truly would wake up in the night worrying worrying about what we were going to lose if we had to do these classes online. And then the other thing for me that has been such a wonderful thing was the conversation that I was able to have with presiding Bishop Michael Curry, that the we were able to have a a webinar where he and I had this lovely conversation. And then he, uh, the the audience was able to ask questions of him. And, And he's such a wonderful, loving, kind soul and so energetic and so faith, faith filled. So that was a great delight to me and such an honor for him to take the time to come and do that and to, to be with me, for that time. And we had a thousand people register for that event. So, you know, we would never have a thousand people register for something that we were doing on site, which is why we're going to do live streaming when when we are able to be back in the building. 
Absolutely. Um, again, that has, you know, although COVID has threw us some daggers, it has also opened up some doors and created some new habits that the center is going to move forward with because we see that they are, in fact, working. Um, so we love it. Well, Dr. Meeks, you know, we're about to close, but before we do, I want to say this, you know, I always think of um, my birthday as a new year, right? It's, it's, it's my official um, date of, of, of 365 days I'm going by, right? And so with that being said, you know, with something being your personal new year, as we think about uh, what we've done and what we've accomplished, we also think about what's next. So I'm curious to know, you know, as you have continued to do this work, as we have done this work in the center, what is the new work that we find or how are we going to do this work differently um, as we approach our fourth year? Well, I think uh, when we first started with the commission, I was uh, really clear about that we had to upgrade the work we were doing to, so that it would actually honor the the need. You know, we tend to think when we want to talk about race, we can just throw something together and that's okay. Well, it's not okay. We need to be always striving for excellence when we're doing this work. And so we, we focused on African-Americans and white people and that history and that wounding and all of that. And that was right and exactly what we should be doing, should have been doing. We need to continue to do that because there is so much wounding and so much more work left to be done. But then there's also... The, the historical fact of what happened to our Native American sisters and brothers and what has happened to our Latin Latinx sisters and brothers and our Asian sisters and brothers on our soil and on our watch. And I think that we have now gotten to the point as a center that we are able to uh, incorporate our other sisters and brothers in this whole struggle against oppression. So the center is moving toward more inclusivity of these other groups. And I'm just thrilled about that. And this lovely new website that you just built for us that I really want to invite the audience to, to visit that, that reflects that. And we'll talk about that some more in our next podcast. Yes, we sure will. Um, I think that is a major, uh, and it's not a pivot, right? It's just as we go deeper into this journey, we become more and more aware and more and more suited to be able to handle um, the next level of eradicating racism. And that is uh, truly bridging the gap, right? And making sure that the center is sustainable as well as making sure that the center is open to be inclusive. And like you said, the website, our new website, Website does reflect that. And so I would like to share with our listeners, please go and visit our website, www.centerforracialhealing.org. Um, I'd also like to share with you guys, please connect with us online. We are on social media. And you can connect um, with us on social media by visiting Center for Racial Healing on Instagram and Center for Racial Healing on Facebook. So it's very simple. Center for Racial Healing for everything. We're online. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. And we have a website. Also, please connect with Dr. Meeks on her personal page by typing in Dr. Catherine 
meets. Catherine with this C, ladies and gentlemen. Um, that is all, folks, for now. Thank you for listening. Thank you again for supporting um, the center and all of the work that is being done, that continues to be done. Um, Dr. Meeks, do you have any more words for the people at home? Just, I just want to say thank you again to everybody and encourage everybody to just keep being a half a shade braver every day as you turn your intention toward trying to be a person who's not unconscious and who's actually trying to hear what God's got to say to you, uh, particularly in regards to racial healing. Amen. I'm not going to preach behind the preacher, but I will say, remember to always tell the truth. Until next time. 